Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where we learn all about building resilience in ourselves and helping others build it too. We draw from the principles of positive psychology and coaching to help you face adversity and do more than just survive. We want you to thrive. We are certified life coaches and speech language pathologists, and we will help you manage your mind, your emotions, and become the very best version of yourself, version 2.0. Let's get started. This is Heather Stables and Leah Davidson, and this is the Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 16, Post-Traumatic Growth. Hi, Leah. Hello, Heather. How's it going today? Oh, it's going fabulously. I'm feeling amazing. Oh, that's really good. It must be because it's springtime. It is springtime, and I love seeing the rain. I don't know about you. We're not going to talk about the weather for very long. No. no. I hate the rain. You know what I love about the rain is that I think of it like a free car wash. My car has been really dirty. (laughs) So I love it. And things in Toronto are pretty dead. You know, there's not a lot of green here. And so we need the rain. I love the rain. Anyway. Okay. I'll borrow your admiration for the rain. (laughs) You're welcome. I do love April though. I know why. It's my birthday month. My kids always laugh. My husband always laugh. It used to be the birthday week, but now I'm getting older. It's a birthday month. It's not quite the big birthday for me this year, but I'm going to be turning 49 at the end of April. Mm -hmm. 49. So a lot of stuff. I got a lot of stuff to cram in before I turn 50, I tell you. Got big lists. (laughs) Well, we can save that one for the next podcast. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I'll do a podcast all about it. But today we are going to be talking about uh, a concept that we introduced earlier on in episodes two and five. We talked very briefly about this concept and it's called post-traumatic growth. And before you go running and thinking post-traumatic growth, that's so not for me. I want to encourage you to stay and learn because the information is actually really valuable. As we've talked about numerous times before, trauma, or you can think of it as adversity in all its glorious forms, is something that we are all going to be confronted with, either personally or we're going to witness a loved one experiencing something. So adversity is a shadow that we all have, and sometimes it's big, sometimes it's smaller in size, but it is always, always there. So arming ourselves with information about how different people deal with trauma and adversity is actually a really great thing to do. So that's why I don't want you to go running. I want you to like stay tuned and listen in. Mm-hmm. We're ready. So maybe it is you who is suffering. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one, an injury, an illness. Maybe it's watching a loved one suffer. It could be going through divorce or separation or going through assault or financial disaster or an environmental disaster. It can be a buildup of things over the years. It's just inevitable. All of us will face adversity. There's no escaping it. And I like how you mentioned it could be a buildup of things over the years because often we think of a singular event. And it really doesn't have to be a singular event that brings us to feel adversity or traumatized. We all have different things that have happened to us. And when they accumulate, they can present as more significant challenges to us. And I think if anybody's a Grey's Anatomy fan, in a recent episode, Teddy 
certainly yes. encountered this. Exactly. Yes. We if won't give more away, know, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to know about trauma and post-traumatic growth and post-traumatic stress disorder, Grey's Anatomy is your show. Just as a side, I love, love, love Grey's Anatomy. I have not missed an episode in the 17 seasons. I don't necessarily watch it as it airs, but I record it and watch it then. So anyhow, it is the best example is true of all these things we talk about. Because most of us, even if it's just through Grey's Anatomy, have heard about post-traumatic stress disorder, which is said to be a chronic and disabling condition that literally can wreak havoc on people who suffer from it, as well as the loved ones, the people around them. Post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, is often linked to a variety of traumatic events, but PTSD-like symptoms or PTSD itself can develop in anyone who is confronted with an experience that's physically or emotionally threatening. So it's a very, very real challenge, and we've, we've definitely seen it with many of the accident victims that we've worked with over the years, the people who have suffered with it, and it really can impact your quality of life. Mm -hmm. So true. However, not all traumatic events will lead to PTSD. There's a lot of variability there too, and we're going to talk more about that in a second. So if you remember back in the earlier episodes, two and five, we talked about the bell curve for resilience that Martin Seligman found. So when people are faced with adversity, on one end, it will greatly impact some people and results in PTSD, significant depression, or even suicide. However, that's not the majority. That's right, because when struck by adversity, the majority of people will go through the challenges, so they'll have stress and anxiety and depression, and those are all very, very normal reactions, but they are able to bounce back. They're able to resume some sort of normalcy of life, and we label this as being resilient, so it's basically the ability to bounce back. But then there is a group of people at the other end of the spectrum that not only are they able to bounce back, but they're actually able to improve in some areas of life. They can become better than they were before. So they're able to bounce forward. And this is what we call post-traumatic growth. And this is our focus today. We're gonna to be talking more about the other side, what they call post-traumatic growth. It's actually a relatively new term. It didn't even exist until the mid 90s, and it was coined by Richard Tedeschi, that's a mouthful, a clinical researcher that was working with his colleagues, Lawrence Calhoun. They basically were curious and began studying what they were seeing with some people in the aftermath of trauma. Again, they noted that virtually everyone experiences life events that they consider traumatic. And of course, people respond differently to different life events. Now, I want you to remember that trauma is actually not an event. It's our response to an event rather than the particular event itself. But while we're talking, we're just going to refer to it as trauma or a traumatic event, but we really are referring to the response to the actual event. Because of the variability in people, it's even hard to determine what events will be particularly difficult for an individual. But they were observing that not only were some people able to cope with the aftermath of these events, but they were even growing. So they saw it's not only possible to bounce back from traumas, but to actually bounce forward. Yeah, that's incredible. The other things that they found 
is that post-traumatic growth is usually experienced without the help of psychologists or other mental health professionals. Fascinating. So it was not the people who had a certain kind of treatment that were experiencing it. In PTG, there's an acronym for you, there is a naturally occurring process of healing and growth that can happen in the weeks, months, and even years following trauma. PTSD is also actually a naturally occurring response, and so is PTG. But just as much as there is a natural process, there are things that hinder healing and growth and things that facilitate it. And we want to share on some of the things that facilitate it. So while you don't have to have expert help to experience it, there are things that facilitate it and that might include some help, including coaching, of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So let's go back first and talk a little bit more about trauma that we talked about in episode two. So if you haven't heard it, you might want to go back and give that a listen. So adverse events are often triggers for things like anxiety, depression, or PTSD. Basically, our experience of trauma is completely unique to each of us. So what is traumatic to you is not necessarily traumatic to me. Again, it's not the event that's traumatic, rather the response to the event. So as we said in episode two, there's the idea of a big T trauma or a little T trauma. And the big T trauma are all the things that we typically think of as being super traumatic. So natural disasters, or maybe there's going to be abuse versus little T traumas, which are sort of the everyday things that people will go through. It's a very helpful way of labeling these events. But as we talked about in the previous episode, it may not necessarily be so helpful to understand somebody's pain. Like you certainly don't want to be like, well, that's a small T trauma. So that doesn't impact you because we know that the cumulative effect of small T traumas can be pretty significant. So again, trauma is all about the response and not the event. And I I do, I know I keep harping on that, but I think it's really important because there is a tendency for people to do a comparison and we can't compare because it is our own individual response to something. That's why we'll see, for us, Heather, when we work with people who have had accidents, sometimes we'll see to, you know, we get these reports and we read about accidents. And to me, they're just completely traumatizing and I'll meet the person and it won't be a big deal to them at all. Not, Not a big deal, but per se, they may not have PTSD. Whereas other times I'll read a report and I'll just think, oh, like, you know, it was a small accident and they will suffer tremendously. So we do have to be careful. It's about the response, not the event, because otherwise we may start judging on whether it's appropriate or not what somebody's response is. And we don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do with our perception. Mm -hmm. And perception is different for for everyone, regardless of how severe the event is. Trauma is trauma. Yeah, exactly. Interestingly, in our culture, we've come to expect that certain events will create a response such as PTSD. We talk of it as an illness that needs to be cured or that is inevitable and inescapable. When disaster strikes, often the message people get is that they will develop PTSD. They will need professional help. And while that may be true for some, researchers over the past decade or so have found that not all survivors are destined for a future life filled with despair. And an even stronger message is that the majority of people are actually resilient to the tragedies and disasters they may encounter. 
Yeah, and that's for sure not to minimize the impact that these misfortunes can have on people. So no one's trying to say that there's no pain or no loss or no devastation or that we just have to be positive and find the silver lining in events. Even if you do end up growing from an event, growing from a suffering, you will still suffer from what has happened to you and growth will not put an end to that, nor is it going to erase any hurts or pain. Traumas we know, they're not fun and they're not good things. And it's not like we recommend you have to have a trauma to grow. But the message is clear that if you are experiencing life adversities in any way, shape, or form, then there's hope. Many people are able to find benefit and springboard into higher levels of functioning in some areas. People truly are capable of doing this. And I think that is such an empowering thing for us to hear. So as we said, it is hard to determine the kind of event that one will find traumatic. The immediate after effects of trauma vary person to person, but there are some typical ones that will fall into the categories of emotional, such as feeling alone, afraid, anger, sadness, hopeless, anxiety, mood swings, a hard time sleeping, nightmares, etc. Another category is mental, having a hard time concentrating, memory loss, indecisiveness and racing thoughts. Another category is behavioral, where you withdraw, you're impulsive, you cry, you're aggressive, your appetite changes, you're inclined to abuse substances. And then another category is physical. So you have aches and pains and fatigue and nausea, and you're shaky and you have headaches and numbness. So all of these symptoms are more normal immediately following the trauma. They will often resolve, again, not to minimize, but just to let you know that they are expected. That's right, because you really want to normalize these things because we don't want to layer on these extra emotions, and this we'll talk about in future podcasts, that something has gone wrong when your response to trauma includes these symptoms. So we want to make sure that we don't get these symptoms and right away assume, I must have PTSD. No, these are normal responses. You are going to go through and experiencing them. Now, to be diagnosed with PTSD, first of all, you have to be diagnosed by a medical, qualified medical professional. So that's not something we are qualified to do here. But there are certain requirements that need to be met for you to be diagnosed. There are also a number of factors that will influence whether or not someone will develop it. And they just basically call these the risk factors, the things that make you more likely to develop PTSD. There are also protective factors, which are also called resilience factors. And those are the things that provide protection. And then there's maintenance factors, which are things that will keep you stuck in trauma. So despite giving you all this information, the vast majority of people will not develop full PTSD, although many may have PTSD symptoms. So many people will be able to adjust and return to some semblance of normal over time, as we've already mentioned. At least that's what the research is showing, that you may develop the symptoms, but the vast majority aren't going to develop full-blown PTSD, despite us hearing so much about it. However, they, the PTG researchers, also are careful to point out that not everyone will experience growth. And when I read that at first, I thought, oh, great. Now there will be a judgment on whether I would experience growth or not. 
But really, whether you experience growth is also a very individual thing and dependent on so many other things. It is common to experience growth, but not universal. In some cases, those who don't experience growth seem to be those who might have experienced little distress following an event. So if you don't respond to an event with a lot of distress, you likely won't experience PTG. Someone's core beliefs also plays into whether or not they'll experience trauma and PTG. Some people seem to have a remarkable ability to bounce back. Sometimes their past life experiences, their life lessons, their previous suffering, their expectations all impact how they react. However, many have not felt resilient and they may want to develop more resiliency skills. PTG is a pathway to resilience. That's right. And another thing about why people react differently to events is the idea that life is messy and it inevitably will hand you circumstances, most of which will be out of our control. So we will experience things that are just part of the human experience. I like to look at things in our experiences in three different ways. So the first is there are things that we may bring on ourselves and we cause ourselves pain. Those are the unfortunate. Those are the things that we can control. Choices, decisions we make, and we cause ourselves pain. The second category, are there things that other people may bring on to us and cause us pain? So, you know, we may be a victim to some type of abuse or somebody does something to us that directly impacts our life. And then there's a third category. And these are things that just happen to us in life that are just happening because we're humans here having a mortal experience. And so these are often like natural disasters and diseases and things like that. Now, the most important piece in all this is what we make these circumstances mean. And that is part of the reason why we all experience things differently because we all assign different meanings to what we experience. So this comes right back to what we talked about in episode four, where we talked about fact versus story. So that circumstance versus thought, where the circumstance or the facts in our life, the things that everyone will agree on, they're out of our control, they could be proven in a court of law, versus the thoughts that we have, which is what we choose to think about the things that happen to us. So we said, it's kind of like we start off with a white sheet of paper, and then we add the color and the pattern. It's very individual what we choose to make things mean, what we choose to write on that paper. Yeah, and we really want to keep this in mind because there is no right or wrong way to interpret things, to be sure. But how we respond to trauma and if we experience post-traumatic growth is very individual and has a lot to do with how we choose to view the world. Yeah, exactly. It's all about sort of the viewpoint of things. So much of it is our choice and our perspective that we take. And I love how Tadeshi and Moore talk about your own trauma being like an earthquake and how traumas have magnitudes just as real earthquakes do. So some are barely felt, some are strong that little can withstand their effects. So you may be dealing with a few fallen buildings and other times complete devastation. But you also need to consider the infrastructure of the city. So some cities are built to withstand the strongest earthquake while others are weak and even a minor earthquake can bring things crashing down. This is kind of like what we saw this winter in, in Texas not so long ago, right? 
like, you know, a winter storm, an ice storm can completely devastate one city. Whereas, you know, up in Canada, that likely would not have been such a big deal because we're set up for that kind of situation. The, the same crisis would not have happened in Toronto because of in infrastructure and what we're prepared for. We even see the difference between Toronto and Montreal when they have, when they have challenges like that. I want you to then liken your thoughts. They're like the city's infrastructure. You have some interconnected system of core beliefs that you hold about yourself and the world and the people in your life, also about the past and the present and the future, all things that you assume to be true in your daily life. And this is all very unique to you. So when your own city is confronted with damage to the infrastructure, everything for some people can come to a halt. Yes, so true. And people may at first be in disbelief that it's happening. They have a hard time coming to grips with reality. And some people struggle with what they can now believe since their old beliefs may have been thrown into question. So it's like you've been forced into this new world and now they have to rethink everything. Many adversities can not only change life around you, but call into question your very essence of who you are as a person. Again, it is so very individual. Also, a trauma can affect your body and your mind. So we can often feel betrayed both ways, which can make it even more challenging. That's right. So in the aftermath of this so-called earthquake, some of the infrastructure may have withstood damage. Maybe it was more resilient, or maybe it was built in a way to withstand an earthquake. Now, other areas were weaker, and that could be by design, or they were particularly hard hit. Either way, the goal is always to get the city up and running. But it is important to take time to rebuild the city to be more resilient to the future potential earthquakes and other disasters. So we want to rebuild for now and for a better future in the long term. We really do want to make the city even more resilient than it ever was before. And this is sort of like that phase of post-traumatic growth. Right. So essentially, post-traumatic growth is the hope that out of loss, there is growth. Everyone's story is different, but all holds the possibility of growth. Even if we are still in the midst of struggle, we can find our way. Yeah, but it is so hard. We know that like rebuilding a city is hard, especially when you're trying to rebuild with more resilience. It's going to take time and hard work and courage and support. So research has shown that there are five general types of post-traumatic growth that people report. And those are personal strength, improved relationships with others, appreciation of life, new paths and possibilities, and spiritual change and a new understanding of life's meaning and purpose. Right. So it's not like you must have growth in all of the areas, but these are the areas that they, they find the most growth. Yeah. And you could have growth in all of them. You could have them in some of them. You could have them in one of them. Yeah. So let's look at these a bit closer. The first is personal strength. Most people are surprised to learn of their own inner strength. We often see this, Leah, with our, our clients, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Following trauma. We often think that we could never survive something. But when it happens to you, we, you often see you can find a way to manage what you're going through and discover an inner strength that you never knew that you had or needed. 
And this strength is worth recognizing and not just blowing it off as, you know, what else was I supposed to do? You handled something that was difficult and in turn, you have developed a greater sense of self-reliance. Yeah. And I think we see this too, the personal strength. I often, you'll hear people say to somebody who's going through something really challenging, like, oh my gosh, I don't know how you do it. I never would be able to survive this. And I think we don't understand how much personal strength we all have that people are incredibly resilient. And I think we sometimes underestimate what we think we would be able to handle. And the idea that it's not like people are necessarily handling all these things by choice. They're just being thrown into it and they're doing the best they can. And they end up doing often a lot better than we would have thought they would do. So the second area is improved relationships with others. So often you find and accept concern from other people you learn how to lean on others and get support. I think that's the main thing. You learn that you can count on other people. You learn who you can count on. You learn how to accept help, which is something that's hard for a lot of people. And there's strength in being able to accept help. And you, you learn that, that it's not a weakness when you're accepting help from people. It's actually a strength. On the other hand, you also gain a greater appreciation for other people And you may want to put more effort into your own relationships. I've also seen how people, their compassion can grow. People can become much more vulnerable and they often have a greater chance of getting closer to other people when they're going through and developing post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. That's an important one. The third is appreciation of life. And this is probably one of the most common lessons people say they learn you're left with a greater appreciation for what you have. Often people are forced to confront how precious life can be. Traumas that threaten your life may even make you appreciate just being alive. Now, appreciation can take many forms. Some people decide to dial in from risk-taking. Others want to take greater risks in their life. It depends on the shifts that people have had and what their life was like previously. And of course, I'm going to bring up a TED Talk. (laughs) because I always do. But there's this great, really short TED Talk, and I think it is called Three Things I Learned When My Plane Was Going Down. And this is one of the passengers who was on the plane that landed on the Hudson River. You know, they made the movie Sully about it, which is such a good movie. But anyhow, he does this TED Talk. He's one of the true survivors. And he talks about how everything changed for him He talks about appreciation of life, appreciation of who he, his friends, his family, his children. He talks about how he never waits to do anything. I think it's just a perfect little TED talk to demonstrate the post-traumatic growth that he experienced in this area of appreciation of life. The next area is new paths and possibilities. Sometimes your adversity has shut the door on many opportunities and priorities and goals that you have had. And this is pretty common. People will say, I'm no longer able to do X, Y, Z because of what I've been through. And there's definitely some grief and loss there for sure. But with adversity, sometimes new priorities and goals can be opened. Sometimes people just realize that their goals have changed. They no longer want the same thing. And again, I do want to emphasize this doesn't mean that there's no loss, that they're like, oh, I can't do this. I'm just going to switch over and do something else. 
Now, there's often, it's a painful process. Like growth is a painful process. And so they will have a sense of loss. And so they may mourn the loss of their past goals. And changing to a new path can often involve a lot of struggle and a lot of grief. So it's not easy. It doesn't happen to everyone, but I've definitely seen where people have been able to adjust and pivot and find a new goal and a new reason. And still have amazing quality of life, even though Mm -hmm. the activities that they're pursuing now, like post whatever the uh, event was, weren't what they imagined that they'd be doing. So exactly. It really ties into Sheryl Sandberg's uh, book, Option B. where, you know, people are able to come up with option B and they're able to thrive living with option B. Another fantastic book if you haven't read that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this brings us to, I don't know what number we're at. I think it's four. I think it's number five. Five, spiritual change and a new understanding of life's meaning and purpose. Now, it can sometimes be a struggle of trying to come to terms with what has happened with what, you be- what beliefs you previously had about life. Sometimes there's an increased sense of the importance of spiritual matters or an understanding of how to live better. You may even feel a bit of if impatience with those people who do not have the same perspective that you do now. You may have a spiritual or philosophical awakening. Your experience may make you question some of those big life questions. They often say, trauma makes philosophers out of people. You can start to question why you are here, what is your purpose, all those difficult, huge questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the five most common ways that people experience post-traumatic growth. Again, not everyone's going to experience in all areas or even any areas. It's something that you can't force. You certainly can't force people who are not ready to grow. But I do think it's an important concept for people to know about. And I was interested in reading the statistic that Martin Seligman, he did some research with the U.S. Army, and he found that 97% of people knew about PTSD, but only 10% knew about post-traumatic growth. And I would bet that that is probably not too far off from the stats with the normal population. People have heard of PTSD, but a lot of people have not heard of post-traumatic growth. And he talked about this being really important because it is self-fulfilling. That's right. And if all you know about PTSD is that when you have an awful event and you're struggling, you're going to think that you have PTSD. And what that does is often worsen your symptoms. And then it can begin a spiral. But if you know that the majority of people will go through periods of mourning and depression, anxiety, stress, and this is a normal response, then you will respond with resilience and even at times growth, then that can stop the downward spiral. So it's very important for people to know that the normal response to very bad things is not going under, it's not sinking, it's not PTSD, it's actually resilience and even post-traumatic growth. And we definitely wanted to share that message. We wanted to spread that news because like we said right at the beginning, adversity is something we are all going to face at different times throughout our life. And we don't necessarily have to fear it. It's not pleasant. It's not comfortable. It can really bring us to the depths of despair. 
but the hope is is that we are resilient we can become even more resilient and that is what our mission is that is what we we try to do is help people learn about resilience help them to become more resilient and we hope that you've learned a little bit about post-traumatic growth we'd love to hear your thoughts so drop us a line you can find us on instagram at hl.lifecoaching or on facebook we go live on Friday mornings, 8.30 Eastern Standard Time on our H&L Life Coaching Facebook page. And on Wednesday evenings at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in our Facebook group, the Building Res Resilience Club, we go live there where we talk all about the podcast that is released that day. So come on over. We would love to hear from you. And thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye.